0: In 1973, a group of Indigenous artists formed a collective. The press called them the Indian Group of Seven. Their goal? To raise the profile of Indigenous art. That was all or nothing. We're representing all our people. And create a permanent space and galleries for Indigenous artists in Canada and around the world. That was really a rock star moment for me. I'm Soleil Lunier, and this is Among Equals, the history and legacy of the Professional Native Indian Artists, Inc. Listen wherever podcasts are heard.
1: Art Slice is a different dive into art history. We goof around, we curse, you learn from it, but don't expect a typical lecture. You're welcome.
0: Every, every episode. Welcome, listeners, to the Art Slice Museum Laboratories Division of Color Theory and Color Studies.
1: Art Slice Museum LDCTC.
0: I'm Russell Shoemaker.
1: I'm Stephanie Duenas. And a little later on, we will be joined by our very first visiting color theory and associations research analyst, Isabella Sagalovich.
0: But you might know her better as Interstellar Isabella from TikTok and Instagram.
1: And, yes. And <laughs> if you're just joining us for the first time, this is. Is not your typical Art Slice episode. So, if you're looking for a full serving of art history, check out our latest episode on the lesser-known surrealist Dorothea Tanning's lesser-known soft sculptural work.
0: Our Ponchamans <laughs> have been hard at work compiling data from your different experiences with colors listeners. So we can try to better understand how us humans categorize color, how we perceive color, how colors exist, how they behave, how they impact us.
1: Here in the Art Slice Museum, LDCTC, we're going to touch on the history of color theory, talk about the history of the pigments behind the paint,
0: then get into ours and most importantly, your associations with those colors listeners as individuals, as culture, as memory, because if you're an artist, an art admirer, a designer, if you ward off evil
1: spirits by sticking cobalt (laughs) blue glass bottles onto tree branches,
0: or if you're just living in the world. Color impacts you in ways that are obvious and also not so obvious.
1: And in this little mini-series, it's time we finally touch on a true primary color, cobalt blue. And it's just as well that blue, which took humans centuries to grasp, would have a history so wide-ranging, from the bluestone lapis lazuli to the 21st century-discovered yin blue. And just like that long history, listeners, your associations were also on a wide spectrum, going from feelings of vastness to straight-up distrust. Bilbert says that cobalt is, quote, the sea, the memory of the bluest sky around Palomar Observatory, the deepest blue waters between Crete and DS mysteries, (laughs) peace, profundity, distance, ineffable.
0: Oh, thank you, Bilbert. That's beautiful.
1: Yes. And the chronic elephant says that to her, cobalt blue is happiness. It just glows blue from the moment you open the tube. Mm. However, my partner in crime here had this to say in our very first LDCTC episode.
0: I was like, you know, actually, I kind of feel this way about a lot of blues. <laughs> like, Tell that me about, that. It. Tell like, me about blue, it. like, blue is very utilitarian. would it's yeah. paraded around. Wow. It's literally in parades at, at some wonderful <laughs> color, right? But it doesn't do a lot for me. So I huh. get it. I totally get it. A utilitarian mm. color like a nail. Or a mm. Hmm. I stand by this statement today. Blues are overused in our culture, okay? That's they true. are They are literally in parades. They are paraded around. Like, they are the best <laughs> color in the universe, okay? Yeah. I'm looking at my computer screen. There's like 15 apps open that are blue. Yeah. Your general milk toast blue. Uh-huh. is overused in our culture. Gusta, milk no, gusto, milk, toast. No, gusto, milk, tosto. right. <laughs> at the RTB mentioned the ads that, quote, bombard my mailbox, use cobalt blue. And at EC going, summed up my hesitation, saying that this color reminded her of businesses that want you to trust them, mm. end quote. And I feel that. Basically, being born in a Midwestern Walmart supercenter, suckling from its teats. <laughs> it's like yellow faced blue teats. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <Ew>, no. no <laughs> that's where no. I was born and raised. Blue just, it has this uh, of, like uniquely American cultural stink to it that is really hard for me to shake
1: yeah i think you're on to something i think you're on to mm. something um i actually struggle with it too i also think it's because we don't see this bright of a blue in nature
0: the cultural stink aside mm-hmm. if i'm just tunnel vision i think it's a beautiful complicated color right. I think i think it's beautiful
1: it is it is entrancing yeah and you do need time to digest it
0: so let's go ahead and digest this color <laughs> i don't know i'm singing <laughs> Let's get into it. As a reminder, you can find all of the images we are about to discuss on our website at artsizepod.com. You can find some of the images on our Instagram page, I guess, at ArtsizePod, and if you're feeling frisky, you can follow us on <laughs> Tumblr, on TikTok, all at ArtsizePod.
1: But before we dive in, <laughs> listener Christine mentioned Eve Klein's mm. lifelong investigation of blue, and we think it's the perfect quote to send us off on our journey. Quote:
0: "Blue, blue has no dimensions." Know it is
1: beyond dimensions, whereas the other colors are not.
0: All colors arouse specific associative ideas, while blue suggests at most the sea and sky, and they, after all, are in actual visible nature, what is most abstract. Chips, chips, the overhead projector.
1: No, that's Mulholland Drive. Chips,
0: you're just, this is so many spoilers, Chips. It's time for that hot new segment on Art Slice, the one the listeners have all been waiting for, called How We Perceive Color Chemically. And oh, blue. Oh, blue. Oh, blue. Oh, blue. Oh, blue. Blue is all around us, listeners. Just step outside. You're going to see blue everywhere. From the perfectly spherical blue marbles that are the cellular foundation mirroring the macro. The perfectly spherical blue marble of the blue earth that we live upon. The thermal color-shifting evergreen trees that have turned a deep royal navy just in time Mm. for winter. Babbling brooks of raspberry blue crystalline waters. (laughs) And the cerulean blue sun that is warming us all summer long. (laughs) So it's no wonder that our consumerist products would emulate the blue world we know so well. T-shirts, hyperlinks, uh, jeans, pens, uh, the the Walmarts. I mentioned the Walmarts. Okay, so
1: our simulator's uh, favorite color is blue then.
0: It seems like it. Yes, yes. Actually, no, the purest (laughs) blues are rarely if ever found in nature. And the two blue constants aren't the purest examples of blue. The sky, it's like a faint blue the ocean's visible surface isn't usually blue either. It's more of a constantly churning two-way mirror that more often (laughs) appears a cool, frothy, greenish gray. Mm. Historically, the name blue didn't even show up for quite a long time, making it extra hard for our ancestors to conceptualize and categorize what the fuck blue even was, thus making it difficult for us to see it as blue. Instead, blue was most often grouped in with green, or generally described instead by a brightness or intensity. Ancient Egypt was one of the first cultures that had a recorded name for blue, and thus, we're able to link the color of blue with the color of the sky, oh. which means, like those memes, that my aging millennial brothers in Christ just cling on to and won't let go, for the love of God. Let go of your old-ass <laughs> memes. Aliens. Aliens unlocked our eyeballs' blue light wavelength perceptional ability. Still, there wasn't much for this wavelength to really sink its teeth into. Very little available in the natural world to highlight that cobalt level of pure blueness. And this might be because, out of all the colors in the visible light spectrum, blue is the second-to-last lowest energy wavelength. Meaning... Anyway, it's why we have a faint blue sky. The scattered sky air molecules are literally trying to finish blue's slow ass sentences <laughs> while red just zooms on by, zooms on by, and violet sleeps in.
1: That sounds nice.
0: You would say that when you. Yeah. I'm early, er, er, the early bird gets the, the early. The early bird just gets up early. It doesn't really matter. Patron, the Viridian killer, thank you, VK, echoed the elusivity and the mysterious acidity. ...of naturally occurring (laughs) bright blues, specifically related to the flowers in her garden.
1: Quote, Delphinium and labellias are just a complete mystery, and I am mesmerized by their beauty. The actual hue of blue changes from cobalt blue to a warm violet blue, depending on the lighting angle and the amount of light hitting them. So in my head, I am trying (laughs) to figure out what these flowers are doing and then it clicks. This color is not real. My brain is clearly trying to make up for something my eyes are not picking up. This flower is working under the polarized color spectrum and I will never know this flower's true color. And she's absolutely right. There are about 250,000 flower species and only about 10% of them are blue. So they do exist naturally, but even then, their hue can vary from being more
0: purple than blue. And producing a blue flower from the soil is incredibly difficult. And it's actually quite strenuous because of the unique properties that are needed to catch that slow blue light. A lot of factors. And even small changes to their soil risks the loss of those blue blooms. And these flowers would be... Be probably gone entirely, but they happen to be incredibly attractive to pollinators. Mm-hmm. So that keeps them going. But okay, things like blue jays, blue tarantulas, blue winged butterflies, peacocks, among other blue creatures, don't so much have a blue pigment as they have pigment imbalances or various Vanta black like <laughs> nanostructures that scatter different color wavelengths away so that the slow ass blue is the only one reflected. <laughs> you know, you can crush up as many flowers and as many blue dart frogs as you want oh. to it sounds like it'd be kind of bloody but you aren't going to be able to get a usable blue pigment from just that which is why we basically had to discover chemistry before we discovered blue
1: so let's get into the characteristics of cobalt blue first of all blue is generally thought of as a cool color but cobalt happens to be considered a neutral temperature blue, meaning that cobalt is a tepid, maybe room temperature <laughs> hue. It's also considered a pure hue, having no red or green leanings. This is a real centrist blue.
0: <laughs> uh, Stephanie, just remember the famous words of Bishop Desmond Blue Blue. If you are neutral in situations of blue injustice, you have chosen the side of the green oppressor or the red oppressor, whatever's there, actually. Insert oppressing <laughs> <color laughs> <here>. Impressive color. <laughs> impressive Oppressive Oppressive. color. (laughs) There are sub-variations of cobalt pigment that do proudly sway green or red, but even that OG cobalt, call us a little bit crazy if you want to, but it looks just a tiny bit red to our eyes. On to saturation and value. Cobalt is highly saturated with pigment. However, it loses that blue brilliancy very quickly when mixed with other paints or mediums, which you actually may want for a lush pastel stratosphere. Mm. Despite losing its brilliancy quickly, over the long term, cobalt holds up much better than its blue counterparts, making it the most durable blue pigment available until relatively recently. That durability means that cobalt is actually often an ingredient in other colors like cerulean blue. Uh,
1: As far (laughs) as value, it definitely skews velvety Mm. like viridian, giving it a darker than average value. And that is on full display as listener OG Sophia pointed out in traditional Swedish dishware
0: Blah Blum. Mm. Do you say it right? I don't know. Blablam. Blablam. Sorry, sorry OG Sophia for doing that wrong.
1: Ah. Uh- <laughs> Which, that was totally influenced by Chinese porcelain.
0: I mean, I, I'm very familiar with the later Dutch knockoffs that my, my Oma had.
1: <laughs> you might be referring to Delftware.
0: Delftware, okay. Uh, the original Chinese porcelain work, though, had that one-of-a-kind, like, caked-on smalt firing technique mm-hmm. that left both deeply opaque and semi-transparent, ornate brush marks that had kind of, like, the brilliancy of an unpolished jewel.
1: Ugh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sounds I guess stunning. a gem. <laughs> <laughs> now onto if this color appears organic or synthetic to our eyes my ojos read it as <laughs> synthetic okay uh, but you do see it in the deepest parts of the ocean as you're flying above them
0: yeah 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 I mean like magenta this one tricks me too so my knee-jerk reaction is to call it an electric organic Ooh, yeah uh, I would be honest mostly because it was the color of my favorite childhood toy the part biological uh, clone of Godzilla It's part crystalline Aww. part clone part doom deity say, space Godzilla and it had electric grays so that sounds awesome So electric organic okay. that's cute anyway i love it right, yeah
1: okay all right digitally speaking digital, digitally speaking website <laughs> <laughs> website hex codes mass printed mass colored led lights all seem to understand where this color is on the spectrum mm. but like our friend viridian green in our opinion equality is just lost in translation right However, this digital or mass-produced cobalt managed to seep into our childhoods Mm. in its pixelated, plastic, or sugar-saturated states. Uh. Right, so you have your Cobalt Blue Game Boy Advances, your Sonic the Hedgehogs, and your Blue Raspberry, which, if you happen to be a student of Mr. Lepke, this is for you. Blue Raspberry, as a flavor, is an abomination of, regrettably... I mentioned love, my love,
0: love love <laughs> what
1: um to my students and they now Show bug me, me with
2: delicious
1: blue raspberry <laughs> it, gifts including leaving blue raspberry yummy yummy your mommy um, <laughs> from time yummy from yummy from your mommy
2: <laughs> shower me with delicious blue raspberry gifts <laughs> charm me with delicious blue raspberry gifts.
1: So let's get into the history of cobalt blue and the story of cobalt originated in the silver mines of Saxony, Germany. <laughs> but before we get there, we have to start with another blue mineral. OK, that deep blue stone whose color shocks you and rocks you. OK, because you never forget a baby <laughs> that blue. <laughs> <laughs> right the infamous lapis lazuli of oh, okay. northeastern yeah. Afghanistan maybe you've heard of it you've Heard of it yeah maybe yeah. <laughs> If you recall, listeners, we briefly skimmed the lapis surface <laughs> back when we covered Giotto Scriveni Chapel frescoes in episode 19. As patron Suyan, thank you, Suyan, at Sung Chi Suyan, rightly pointed out lapis was so valuable that thieves would risk their lives sneaking into churches to scrape it off the wall paintings. But let's put a Pin in this point in time because Lapis Lazuli's rep goes way further back than Enrique Scriveni's.
0: <laughs> I said <laughs> What's Enrique Scriveni. Enrique is what I
1: <laughs> is what I wanted to say. Um, no, Enrico Scriveni's rumpus room. Lapis showed up at least 7,000 years before baby Jesus. Mom. Which for some reason we still use to to determine time. Mom. So So it would make sense then. Look at the
0: calendar, Mom. They they made it after me, Mom. (laughs) Mom. (laughs) Mom, they changed the years and everything for me, Mom. (laughs) Mom. (laughs) Mom. They were counting backwards until I was born, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Mom.
1: <laughs> it would make sense then that we would see lapis lazuli appear in many ancient languages, right? Mm-hmm. Lapis is Latin for stone. Okay. Lazuli is from the Latin word lazulum, which comes from the Arabic lazaward, is from Persian lajivard, which ultimately comes from Sanskrit, a word I cannot pronounce, (laughs) uh, meaning sky or heaven. Mm. So according to these ancient languages, this blue rock is a stone from the sky or a stone from heaven. Okay. One culture in particular, Because there were many aliens what <laughs> it's like okay uh no <laughs> um shit okay so there was one culture in particular uh, who was especially enamored with lapis okay and i'm talking about the ancient egyptians okay of course not aliens <laughs> not aliens when I say they were enamored con Lapis lazuli, I mean obsesionados, okay? Like, obsessed. <laughs> they had such a reverence for blue that they used it in almost every aspect of their daily lives through depictions of gods, the sky, or the Nile River, all in paint, or as pottery glaze on jewelry beads, eyeshadow, and they even ingested it. Oh. They believed it had healing powers. Yeah.
0: I actually, Stephanie, I used to eat crayons as a kid, so I totally understand. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Yeah, I was I, no. in kindergarten. No. Or preschool, whatever it was. What? Yeah, I ate crayons. I got, there were, <laughs> and I don't know how long I was doing it before, but I got caught. But then my parents had to, you know, watch, checking the checking to see if it was still with me. Uh, Sorry. No. Sorry, listeners.
1: Baby Rusty, what's in your teeth? Crayons. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I am still learning about you. Yeah. Love that. In real time, listeners, in real time. In real time. So not like the time that you ate crayons, okay? okay? The Egyptians were highly sophisticated. I'm
0: just saying I'm highly sophisticated <laughs> like the Egyptians. That's no, all.
1: I'm sure they had some kind of capsule pill situation like uh, that was not wax wrapped in, pla- wrapped in paper, I guess. But yeah. Wax wrapped in wax paper?
0: I hope I take the paper off. <laughs> What's the difference? Anyway.
1: You're not supposed to spit in your mouth. Okay, uh, so anyway. At some point, around 2200 BC, the ancient Egyptians' lapis supply was cut off. Devastating, devastating. They were like, "Hey, we're, we're the bl- fucking Egyptians. <laughs> 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 we're the fucking Egyptians." Okay, Just we blue don't. Spittle. <laughs> 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 So they're going to make their own blue. Okay. Okay. End of story. All right. All right. So they did. Okay. And they did that by mixing calcium, copper, silica, and potash, which is potassium rich salt. (laughs) So they effectively created the first synthetic pigment ever, ever. And they called it. What was
0: that, Stephanie? You give that word a go at home, listeners.
1: (laughs) I-R-Y-T, that word. Okay. It literally meant artificial lapis lazuli. Okay.
0: At some point, the Egyptians got their hands on some cobalt. Uh, probably definitely from aliens or potentially Syria, and they started to produce cobalt blue glass ingots. And we don't know if this is directly a result of the Egyptian trade, but it's around this time that we start to see an increase in blue-colored crafts in places like Persia and China. Eventually, the Romans colonized Egypt, as we all know, but they were so wine-day drunk that they misplaced (laughs) their secret recipes for blue. So the Roman Empire collapses partially due to uh, libertarians and probably some crypto. Why
1: not? A big reset button was pushed. Uh, ushering in the huge motherfucking stretch of time that we refer to as the medieval period. Okay. Which brings us full circle. Back to Giotto. Giotto. Giotto and Scroveni Chapel. It's
0: 15 children.
1: Frescoes, right. <laughs> and that chapel was adorned in that ultra expensive lapis lazuli capiche. Europe is just now catching up to what other parts of the world have been using for centuries, except now that blue is associated with the Virgin Mary's general holiness.
0: Gen holiness. And they needed <laughs> they needed a cheaper alternative. Okay. And Stephenist, paint <laughs> the elder, in his alchemical laboratory worked tirelessly in vain. The Egyptian blue recipe long lost because of the day-drunk Romans cursing the heavens through his cobalt blue stained glass windows. No. <laughs> <laughs> the silhouette.
1: Uh, that's right, listeners, you could find cobalt blue to paraphrase the chronic elephant as light streaming through glowing blue glass in the Sacré-Cœur Basilica, coating the stone walls in colored light. Mm. The closest blue to lapis was right in front of your holy nose, OK, in your ride or die <laughs> iglesia of choice with blue stained glass windows. Cobalt had coexisted with lapis. They just didn't know it yet jump to the 1500s and we are finally back to the Saxony silver mines of Germany, Mm. where silver miners began exhibiting questionable symptoms like vomiting, diarrhea, numbness, and (laughs) death. Whenever these symptoms plagued the miners, they'd be like, oh shit, oh shit, these are definitely the kobolds, the demonic hobgoblin sprites (laughs) from German folklore, duh.
0: Roll for initiative.
1: But what was actually happening to the miners was arsenic poisoning from the fumes released whenever they happened to smelt a particular ore <laughs> that looked like silver, but actually contained the metal that would eventually be named cobalt. Whoever smelt it dealt it. Oh my it. god, no, no. <laughs> No. No. Swedish chemist George Brandt, going off of a hunch, got his hands on some of this fake hobgoblin-possessed silver ore and found that there was, in fact, an unknown metal in there. Okay. And in honor of the miner's plight that paved the way,
0: maybe, don't know,
1: uh, he (laughs) named it Cobalt after those gremlins.
0: Now the Cobalts, Stephanie, are the little green energy hobgoblin CEOs gobbling up every every trace of Cobalt for, like, Teslas and iPhones uh, for batteries basically right something like that metal putting those miners lives at risk in very unsafe very extremely low pay working conditions and you know don't get it twisted we're fans of green energy here but ignoring the systemic problem and just replacing it with a different hobgoblin like replacing a goblin with a hobgoblin is not gonna fix anything are they the same thing are they different is there like a hierarchy between the goblins like do you graduate to hobgoblin
1: i don't know about graduating
0: Like, what is okay? Anyway, anyway,
1: I don't know. But back to 1802, France, lapis derived ultramarine Mm. is still reigning supreme. A little rhyme there. (laughs) Uh, But we have discovered this metal that is going to change the world. Enter chemist Louis Jacques Tenard, who was tasked by the French government with finding a très français lapis alternative that did not cost an arm and a leg, and they needed a true blue, not too red, not too green, and it needed to be stable. They were sick of those fugitive colors.
0: These colors don't run stuff.
1: <laughs> uh, so then Louis proceeded to cobalt blue himself away. <laughs> And he did that by discovering the perfect combo, a mixture of cobalt phosphate or arsenate with alumina, then roasting it at a high temperature, resulting in (laughs) synthetic fine deep blue, Uh, a.k.a. a cobalt
0: blue. Finally. Oh, my God. That was a journey. Finally here. It was a journey.
1: Yes. And it was still expensive. It was expensive. Wow. Where did that go? but not is suspensive And like you all mentioned, listeners, for the next century artists would use it in their works. From the famous romantic works like Liberty, Leading the People to realists like Edouard Manet, Monet, Matisse, and of course, the most famous post impressionist, Vincent Van Gogh who wrote a lot, but especially of his love for color. Quote, I am crazy about two colors, carmine and cobalt. Cobalt is a divine color and there's nothing so beautiful for creating atmosphere end quote
0: while cobalt has been the go-to true blue for artists for well over 100 years now the kobolds have a new challenger Uh a truer bluer blue in 2009, Yin Min Blue, I think I'm saying that right? I don't know. AKA Oregon Blue was accidentally discovered while developing materials for electronics. And it is, at this moment, the bluest blue mm-hmm. on Earth. Yes. Can you believe that? It is also chemically stable. These colors don't run, okay? It's not going to go fugitive <laughs> on you. And best of all, you can eat it. Yay. It is FDA approved for eating, fulfilling the Egyptians' dreams. Yay. Okay? My snack back won't run full- away. <laughs> Your blue uh, dunkaroos. Being that this is a a true cool blue, it also has the ability to reflect infrared radiation, making it very likely that we will be seeing a lot of this cobalt uh, sibling in the future. Listeners, the pantry Mons have handed us a clipboard filled with your answers. But actually, um, we oh, there's someone here in the in the art slice LDCTC research labs. Keke. We have our very first visiting color theory uh, associations research analyst.
1: Hello. <laughs> I came up with that yes. title
0: in in a <laughs> blue lab coat.
2: Oh yeah, this is my favorite color. Yeah. In the blue lab coat. I hope that. <laughs> And I have determined that because I am a color scientist, this will not affect the colors that are around me. That's yes. totally fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very safe and it keeps us safe,
1: too. Oh, that's and great. Safety first. Love it. Yeah. it. Wait, did you say it's what? Detachable? It's fashionable. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> it's and like a secret powers.
0: Your yeah. cat in a little cat lab coat as well. So that's good. That's very I... safe.
2: <gasps> yes, Pikachu is here. <laughs> Pikachu is here and he is a little in a little lab coat. And, um, and because he's also a, a scientist. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah, but he he keeps wanting to study only bird and squirrel and chomping them and
1: <laughs> so it's a little bit hard to keep him on track. Listeners, you might know Isa as the Visiting Color Theory and Associations Research Analyst. Uh, but you most likely <laughs> know her from TikTok and Instagram as Interstellar Isabella, but also The New York Crit Club, Hyperallergic and so much more. Isabella
0: Sigalovich
1: Thank you so much. Yes.
2: Yes, Yay. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah.
0: Issa, do you want to tell our listeners, if they're not already familiar with Mm -hmm. your work, all, like, what you do?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, at this time, I'm currently wearing a bunch of different hats as professor and video maker, uh, general, hater, all of that. (laughs) Um, uh, Generally, my, my specialty background is in ornament, ornamental design, but... Uh, In general, I like to say that I do anti-authoritarian folk art history. So I'm really focused on art history from folks that are generally underrepresented, under-recognized, and usually that's art from the ground up. That's... Folk art, community art, architecture that we don't technically know the names of the architects a lot of the time, but also runs the gamut into painting and um, starting to do a little bit of work in theater. And so, yeah, I, I'm very into using art and architecture as a way of looking at white supremacy and how we can fight white supremacy and
1: uh, get rid of that shit. Hell yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's how
0: we, we found you through the algorithm gods somehow. Awesome.
1: <laughs> Usually curse them, uh, but for once, we can oh, thank yeah. them. <laughs> you guys came up on my algorithm also. So oh, that's good. I think it's good.
2: I think the, the, the algorithm gods were like, okay, this can go together.
0: <laughs> the, we're works. some like dark web. Well, not dark web, actually. That's something else. But <laughs> some like for TikTok, dark web for TikTok. I don't know. Never mind. I'll not mm-hmm. use that term. <laughs>
1: Question number one, what are your immediate thoughts when you look at cobalt blue? Cobalt blue has this dreaminess to it. As patron St. Andrew, thank you St. Andrew, at AL Rustic Ware says it's quote, peaceful, placid, warmly sweet, like candy for the eyes. And listener at Dogwood Finch said, quote, When I look at cobalt blue, it's like I'm flying into the endless. It's almost as if I have vertigo, like I'm falling and falling and falling into the color. End quote.
2: I'm trying to like figure out what is it about cobalt that or like blue, that color of blue that makes people think of it being endless. And I think obviously like my first thought is it's like the sky, like the sky mm-hmm. feels like mm-hmm. it's endless. And so that reminds you of the sky. Um, But right before we hopped on, I looked up Eve Klein because I realized that he like uses a lot of blue <laughs> and that's our only the co- blue, which really looks like a lot of like cobalt kind of of shades. And he was also like, yeah, it's just like this endless color that's like forever. And I don't I don't know. But it's also like, what is it about blue that makes people think that as opposed to like any other color of having sides?
0: to it If you look at Cobalt Blue, is there like an immediate thought that you just think automatically?
2: Oh, it's sh- it's shiny. Mm-hmm. I like the shininess mm-hmm. of it. i When I look up Cobalt Blue, and I I'm, I'm I love Google. So I so, no, I don't. Not the company. Yeah. Not the company. I'm gonna. That's the that's to be clear. Be clear. <laughs> it's not the company. But I we got do dark use web. It. We got
0: Google. We're pro Bad. dark web. We're pro um, Google.
2: <laughs> but I do use it quite a bit. So when y'all asked me to start thinking about Cobalt, I just searched on Google Images and. The one that comes up a lot is that like deep iridescent kind of electric blue. Mm. And that's the one that I kind of react to the most. That's the one that feels like very shiny, very iridescent. Like I want to touch it. I want to collect it. (laughs) I want to have it around me. Um, I love shiny things. So that's what it makes me. That's what it looks like to me.
0: The like stone sort of look of cobalt where it's got that like glossy patina. Yeah, no, definitely. I love it like straight out of the tube, like straight out of a tube of oil paint. It's so beautiful. Oh my definitely, definitely, definitely.
1: Yeah. Definitely. yeah. Well, for me, no. it's digital. Oh, I'm sorry. I cut you Ooh, off. No, 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 no. Go
2: ahead. Go ahead. Summon with my digital. No do shiny it, here. It's digital. Yes.
1: <laughs> Yes. Um, Mine actually stems from childhood. Mm-hmm. So I used to play Echo the Dolphin with my brothers in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would play in their room. It was small, kind of cramped. But I remember the blue glow like shining on our faces, on our hands, on our arms, and even the popcorn ceiling. <laughs> 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 so that like it created like a lunar surface, kind of like it casts like long oh, shadows as if you were looking at a lunar surface. I would imagine, obviously. I've never done that. Um, It's it's kind of a sad game to me. I have like mixed feelings about it. Have you heard of Echo the Dolphin? No, no. no. He loses his pod. Well, at least the version I played, he loses his pod. And so he's searching for it. That's like the whole game. And he's fighting danger. And then there's like this really emotional soundtrack playing in the background. (laughs) It's like
0: new new wavy or new agey.
1: Yeah, it's new agey and like different haircuts, I guess. Yeah. So different. Yeah. Anyway, the young artist in me was really drawn to the gradient cobalt. It's digital, but it's like endless still somehow. And it's standing in for the depth and the distance of the ocean, which was mesmerizing, but also terrifying. Like it's sublime, but I Mm. didn't know what to do with that as a child.
0: (laughs) Mm. Sublime. it kind of sad too, right? Like, I mean, it lost its pod.
1: Lost its pod and no thanks to me. He never found it. I was stuck on the (laughs) same level. (laughs) So... I was stuck at the same (laughs) level and I was just bouncing around like, sorry, Echo, it's just you and me in this digital death. (laughs) That's where we're at. Oh,
0: man.
2: That makes me think of like digital blue and like cyberpunk, kind of like the cyberpunk aesthetic. (gasps) Like that bright kind of neon-y dark blue. Like, I feel it's always like the blue and then the pink. Mm -hmm. Coming soon is my partner's really great excerpt from his dissertation on uh, cyberpunk aesthetics. I'm not that exciting but cyberpunk neoliberalism okay um, oh why this the cyberpunk genre kind of led to people being comfortable with neoliberalism and a couple of weeks ago somebody did a column about how the cyberpunk video game is making people come or like the gig economy led to the mm-hmm. cyberpunk video game um so it's starting to all come together it's a oh little bit it's wild it's wild but like it's very like the kind of like, like it almost me out of it, because I, I could totally feel myself being, like, enraptured by the cyberpunk aesthetic. Like, it looks very cool. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, I want... I like, I love that. But, and I love that blue. It's, it's kind of mesmerizing.
0: Yeah, it really is. Yeah. No, that's so funny. Yeah. Cause like when I look at cyberpunk, well, I don't know, maybe it's just the movies I'm watching, but, but yeah. it always feels like <laughs> capitalism has gone like way too fucking far. And yeah. <laughs> where you're just trying to like live within these really constrained social restrictions because of uh, a grab for the only usable land left or something. I don't know. So it's funny. I would be, I would love to read that though. I'm, I'm oh my gosh. To hear about it's,
2: it. it's really good. It's one of those things where it's, it's like capitalism has gone way too far, but it's kind of like the effect of Mad Men where it's like, oh, these are like bad people that I'm supposed to not like. But then you get wrapped up in the aesthetic of it. And, oh, like, okay. and so I think that's what happens to a lot of people like they are like, ooh, this is maybe kind of fun. Anyway, <laughs> I that's one of my many tangents on <laughs> cyberpunk liberalism. Um, but I, I love planting the idea in people's heads because they're like, oh, my gosh, what is that? And then I'm like, Ben, can we release the PDF yet? He's like, it's not finished. Um, but say that. but <laughs> it's like a mad scientist. Like It's not perfect yet. It's never is perfect. He's got like the
0: cyberpunk hair. It's like sticking <laughs> yeah. straight up. Yeah.
2: Like, oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, Ben. The blue of the screen like... is like... Yeah. <laughs> um no it's really fun we're both like very analog so Mm -hmm. it's hard sometimes i get into like these terrible deep dives where i'm like yeah everything technological is bad and like everything (laughs) reels on the earth and he's like isabella (laughs) no (laughs) no that's that's not i don't think that was the lesson here yeah
0: (laughs) i'm really glad that i'm not the only one that goes into those dark pits of despair because stephanie's usually the one that's like pulling me out of them
1: We can't go down together. One of us has to uh, (laughs) keep our feet planted, okay? (laughs) Oh, yeah. A lot of our listeners also felt like Blue extends to personality traits. Finn at Finley Meadow says that it reminds her of loud people that wear loud clothes that when you're around them the feeling of everything swallowing you whole consumes you until you're drowning in it (laughs) and at spicy witch soup thinks differently and finds it to be a very relatable color like a quote not so easy to understand character who makes you put your guard down so you can put yourself in the shoes of someone you otherwise wouldn't end quote
2: yeah in my family growing up we we all had not it wasn't strict but it was like expected not ex- okay not expected but we all had color themes and like mm-hmm. color schemes that my mother determined that was like the best for us okay what you know that what we should wear so my sister we- is supposed to wear jewel tones my older sister she's a summer she wears jewel tones my younger sister is the fall she's supposed to wear olives and greens my dad is also a fall he's supposed to wear what uh, my mom calls puke green my My mom yeah it's (laughs) great it actually he (laughs) does look great in puke green um and then my mom is my mom is a winter so she wears also jewel tones this is also her definition of all of these things (laughs) she'll wear blue and that looks really good i'm supposed to be a spring i'm supposed to wear pale pink all the time okay um which i do like from time to time but was not into wearing it all the time like that's my first thought it's like people associated with colors that was we had these like a signed roles of like, these are the colors you're going
0: to wear is this like a book like how do you assign this This is it just like a feeling
2: this is real life okay this is
0: is my (laughs) child oh no (laughs) is it like from a book like is there a chart
2: it was a chart in my mom's brain Mm. uh, where she she uh, she's very into color so it says she's actually like a color fanatic has very intense color vision she's really really good at color and I'm like laughably bad at it <laughs> um, but she had like a very special blue also that she would like to paint many many rooms of our house which looked kind of like gray so it's a little bit lighter than oh. cobalt so it's not exactly on theme but it was like a like a sky gray blue mm. but my mom would always like painting a room in the house was like a very very big very big project a very like big event because she would go back and forth like with the colors and then paint different swatches and see how yeah see how they look at different times of the day and then and like go back and forth and then go and mix the paint and then go like get another specialty paint. So she does it, she has like a system Your mom where she is goes a pro. To, get out of her way. She's get wild. Out of her <laughs> way. <laughs> oh, get out of Heidi's way. She is she if she is gonna fu- she's going. There's one particular navy blue called railings hmm. that we um is navy blue, it's really dark. Yeah, it's it from furrow
0: and ball, right? It's from furrow and ball. Do you
2: know do you know? Railings? Oh my god. <gasps> yeah, oh my I know gosh. Railings. I have railings. Oh my gosh. I yeah, have railings. <laughs> it's a very special to her this is a very very, very, special color. And I am now like, now whenever I see here and I see navy blue, like really dark blue, I say, mom, is this reelings? <laughs> is that reelings? And every time it's like, no, it's not reelings. That's not it. <laughs>
0: railings is very you can unique never tell
1: Ray, like, it's very unique <laughs> it's a very unique blue <laughs> i'm gonna fail i don't know where railings is in our house
0: uh, yeah no stephanie what did i paint in railings there's one thing i painted <gasps> in railings in our house
1: just one just one thing can i have a hint
0: well i can't okay it's in a um non-bedroom space
1: this is not good <laughs> <laughs>
0: I well, if I tell know. you what it is, you'll get it immediately. So I can't. Well, but like, that's
1: that's because you're. Take a guess.
0: Me. Take a guess. One guess. No. It's the kitchen window. I mean, the kitchen window railings.
1: That okay. First of all, that is shiny. That is shiny, <laughs> and like the light is never great on that. Like, I just came home one day, and the windowsill was a different color. I could have told you that was like kettle black. I had no
0: idea that was railings. It's a very dark navy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. very
1: dark. Also, oh, it's a high gloss railing.
0: It is a high gloss. Yes. Oh. So that can throw it off. Okay. You are correct. All the right. Glass it's a it high
2: gloss. Well, I'm sure. That Heidi would approve, um, that she's gonna be happy when I and I tell her that
1: we have another railings fan. <laughs> Question numero do. Outside of art, do you associate this color with any specific memories? And this one's our favorite, Isa. So why don't you go on ahead and start us yeah. off? Is, so,
2: okay, it's going to be, there's probably going to be some architecture in it in, <laughs> in tiles. <laughs> because yeah. um, one of the re- ways that I, when I look at blue, I think about Iran. I went to Iran with my family when I was, uh, I think, six or seven. And it was just a couple of years after after, um, after 9-11. So a lot of our family and friends told us that we were doing something that was like totally crazy and they thought we were just going deep into the axis of evil. But what happened was that oh my, my dad, wow. yeah, it was ridiculous. And my dad got a an invitation to go over as a doctor and they were doing like, a, like an exchange program uh, between oh. New Haven and Tehran. Mm. And my mom was like, okay, let's just go over and have, an adventure. Some of our friends uh, who were also Persian were like, okay, we'll all go together. We'll visit our families and have a good time. But then, yes, all of our friends found out and were like, oh my goodness, you are going to this really dangerous territory. And all of the news at the time was like, Iran is just the most evil place ever and everybody there hates Americans. It's just going to be terrible. But by, I think, like speaking to our friends, we were like, there's something about that that doesn't seem quite right. And (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we got there and of course, like found out just how many lies we were being told by the news and by like popular media, which was that like at the time in 2004, Iran was a really peaceful place. It was a really hopeful place. Like now, of course, like the people are not the same as the government. They're not represented by their government at all. And we're actually just they were so many were over the moon excited just that we were there and that we were Aww. Americans and we could go back and kind of tell other Americans about what we actually found mm-hmm. in Iran, which was this very, very different place. And if anybody is interested in kind of like what we saw and what that kind of era was like, the Anthony Bourdain episode on Iran is really, really special. So good, so um good. And that's a really, and that was a, a couple of years later, but it's during a very hopeful time where the the person who was the leader at that moment was a little bit less stringent than some of the other leaders in the Islamic Republic, which had come into power in 1979. And so, of course, so now it's this theocracy. So while we were there, we met a bunch of amazing people. We went to a lot of incredible places. And the thing that really just blew my mind more than anything were the mom. And the palaces and the art that was everywhere and the tiles. And I feel like something just kind of clicked in a different some part of my baby brain and was like, I like this. I like little patterns and designs. These are really, really cool. I've recently been going back and looking at the pictures and seeing Mm -hmm. me looking at all of the tiles (laughs) and being just totally like (laughs) dazzled and mesmerized because like literally a as soon as we got off the plane, my mom took me by the shoulders and she like shook me. And she was like, you, we may never be back here. So you have to remember everything that you see.
0: Memorize those like, blues.
2: Memorize this. And I was like, "Oh, okay. this
0: blue different than this blue? Yes.
2: I was like, okay, I'll, we'll do it. And it was pretty amazing. We went to the factories that the tiles were created. We went and visited the artisans that were making tablecloths. We went to visit people that were making rugs, these like very ancient He went to Persepolis, went to all these places. And it was really just something that I think about pretty much every day, wanting to go back and wanting to be there again. And we stayed friends with many of the people that we met and stayed friends with the friends that we went with for many years after that, going to weddings, going to uh, Thanksgivings together, New Year's, all of that kind of thing. Now it's been about like a month and a half Mm -hmm. that the revolution has been going on in Iran. And especially at the beginning, it was like it was, very very emotional and very difficult to concentrate on anything but all I could think about was just what is what is happening over there and what's happening over there right right now I mean at this point they've killed hundreds of innocent people and most of them were children um, at a certain point and I, I think this is probably unfortunately not that different now but as of a few weeks ago the average age of the people they were arresting was 15 years old Jesus so like most of these uh, protesters are really really young it was it was really disheartening for a while seeing American media once again misrepresent what was happening in Iran, misrepresent the people there, talking about it as these like aimless protesters that don't know what they want. They have no leadership, all this stuff. They absolutely do. They're, you know, this is this is an, an incredibly fiercely smart and thoughtful and they're planning they know exactly what they're doing. At this point, a lot of people are very hopeful. And mm-hmm. I think it's pretty likely that it's going to work. Like they're going to be able to instill ensconce their own government. And I I'm really hoping that I don't have false ho- optimism there at this point. But so I'm I'm crossing, crossing my fingers. Unfortunately, a lot of people have died along the way and a lot of people um, have been hurt along the way. But at the end of the day, I'm just really hoping that finally it will be a free country and that I just am like just praying that whatever government does come into effect is a just one and is a fair one. It, it really is a, a democracy there. But this is something that it's, it's been really incredible to see just how many artists were stepping out and were speaking out about, about everything and now at the forefront, risking their lives to post art that was breaking the rules of the, of the regime as well. Mm-hmm. Just in general, now today, my entire life is ornament and my entire work is based on looking at art that exists under regimes and fights those regimes and how regimes suppress that art. And I usually look at it under the realm of white supremacy, but it's been really interesting to try and research a little bit what it looks like in different areas of the world. And it it often occurs in a lot of the same ways. So the Iranian government not only suppresses, you know, people of Baha'i faith, Jewish people suppresses anyone that's not Persian. So suppresses Mm -hmm. Kurdish culture, suppresses all the other minorities. There's tons of minorities. Iran is such a diverse country, but it also, in, in its own way suppresses Persian culture as well. So even though it's Persian centric, the Iranian government in many ways has created this aesthetic of Persian Islam that is very, very confining and leaves out a lot of Persian history even oh. after and a lot of people say how it leaves out pretty much every. you know, it, it doesn't focus on all of the great things that happened before Islam comes to Iran, but it also suppresses a lot of that stuff that happens in Iran after Islam is there as well. So craftspeople don't really have the opportunity to create those kind of ornamental buildings in the way that they used to. But yeah, it's really, really fascinating the way that artists were able to subvert and kind of work around those rules. And at this point, they are often in a lot of ways just completely going beyond those rules and breaking them and, and doing whatever they want. And it's really, really beautiful. Yeah, that's that's something that um, looking, at, looking at Cobalt kind of makes me think about that sometimes and cobalt's just one of the colors that is in persian mosques uh, and palaces a lot in iran and in the countries around iran are blue because it's this very very sacred color and cobalt's one of the blues is also turquoise and turquoise is really big and other darker blues lighter blues from what i understand it is seen as kind of representing the sky representing this glittering beautiful eternity
0: that's beautiful
2: that is it's very it's very beautiful. The word in um, in Arabic for blue is azraq which actually originally means glittering or gleaming. Ooh. There's a book by Idris Trevathan, apologies, I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, who wrote this book called Color and Light and Wonder in Islamic Art. What he says is that the vast expanse of tiles that decorate every surface of blue tiled mosques evoke blossoms and flowers strewn on dark blue meadows or even dark blue back background and inner field suggest the depths of a sky covered in stars thus the design simultaneously evokes the flowers of paradise and the stars in the heavens which is so That's gorgeous I think it's so beautiful yes
0: I love I love writing about color because it's just uh, oh, I don't know it's just so like visceral yeah. and, and, and visual <laughs> visceral <Yeah>. and visual yes <laughs> you did a lot of great work on the protests as well as like highlighting some artists on hyperallergic mm-hmm. it was really great to to see you do that and it's great to see, like, f- like feel that passion too, <laughs> even that, you know, not being yeah. there at the present day. We wish them the best. We pray for the best there. I mean, mm-hmm. geez, mm-hmm. it'd be so, so great to see people have their say. <laughs> you sent us some photos of you as a little kid being in there.
1: Yeah. In the alcove.
0: It seemed like this overwhelming, beautiful, <laughs> huge, just <laughs> like it. gorgeous place. I didn't personally travel till I was much older, but I remember, yeah. and I don't know if you remember this, but like a light bulb clicked for me when mm. I was finally in another like Southeast Asia where it's very mm. colorful, very beautiful. And it wasn't just colors. It was like textures, viscosities, mm. like and, and then the like weathering of those old ass colors, for lack mm-hmm. of a better word. <laughs> being able to wander through color that's not just on a wall in a stale museum or just on a TV screen it is amazing. So I don't know if you felt something oh. like that. Like, being able to experience it uh, firsthand. Oh,
2: that's so beautiful. Like to co- wander through color. That makes that makes me so so happy I love that um I am very obsessed with the whole notion of chromophobia in kind of the opposite of that like the chromoph- chromophobia in the west uh
1: uh
2: <laughs> <laughs> like the the notion of super white super brown um, sad, the sad beige vacation. I don't know if you've been watching <laughs> sad beige um but she gosh gosh that creator is I've, I've talked to them they're absolutely the best and so freaking smart and funny. Well, who's the creator? Sad Beige. Okay. Uh, okay. Sad Beige Werner Hertzog. <laughs> so yesterday was like posting this video about Michelle Lame, who is this... Oh, yeah. Uh, French couture designer person who kind of rips off other cultures and then like makes them kind of beige. Uh, and it's like, the, my, my partner was like, it's like the sad beige vacation of full culture. And I thought that was the funniest thing that I've ever heard. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's like sometimes sad beige, sometimes white cube kind of thing. I sometimes have a tough time because I will make videos kind of like shitting on white cube <laughs> stuff, like white cube, like super wealthy homes or just like minimalist aesthetics in general. Mm-hmm. Minimalist aesthetics that also include not having any color and sometimes people are like some of us just like that and I'm like that's that's great that's very cool that you like it my general <laughs> what I my Sorry. my general yeah it's and I it, I've seen I, your comment so section you, oh, you handle it so well <laughs> my like, comment sections are <laughs> insane especially when I talk about something that I feel like shouldn't be that big of a deal and people <laughs> are like they get very upset <laughs> get very,
0: like why are you so attached to like black and white coffee shops
2: <laughs> I don't know people people get very up in arms they get very up and I and so I try to like not I used to be very combative and now I'm like I don't have energy for that I don't have time for it oh I'd God. rather just like listen to people listen to what they're saying and try to like see where they're coming from but also try to like guide them a little bit because a lot of people will Think that I'm like trying to cancel something like, oh, my God, it's so problematic. It's so racist. It's canceled. But (laughs) I don't hate that aesthetic itself. It can be done very well. It is fine for some people. The problem is when it becomes ubiquitous. The problem is when it becomes what everybody's expected to do. And Mm -hmm. then you're like looked at like you're crazy if you want to paint your wall with lots of beautiful designs, which is what so many people did and still do in a lot of places, but are encouraged to not do that because it's not what is seen as like modern anymore. Mm -hmm. This is something that my students brought up a lot in our first couple sessions of our interior design history class which is that color has such an enormous impact on your emotion. Like what you said, like that experience of wonderment through color is something that we're depriving ourselves of when we stick ourselves in these blank white spaces.
0: Or just like not liking the color. Like you can not like the color too. Like you can feel badly about it. Like that's a a feeling too. Like (laughs) enjoy that. Sorry, (laughs) I didn't mean to interrupt.
2: Oh no, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's all of, it's all theater. So you can have a good a good reaction to it a bad reaction to it I mean I'm thinking like if you're just decorating your own space and your own moment or pff, your own little <laughs> having your own little colorful moment in your own place <laughs> and whatever color makes you feel really happy I actually like having white walls because I like covering them with like bright designs yeah. and I like the look of having a white wall with lots of bright color designs but I also dream of having like a deep peacock blue mm-hmm. room uh, I would love be to do that so yeah I feel like I, I answered your question the opposite way that I was supposed to. Oh, no, that's
0: a great
1: answer. Okay. <laughs> cool. Listeners, your answers were wonderfully all over the place, as they <laughs> usually are, which again, we love. Uh we have patron at ezreal's Art. She said that Cobalt Blue reminded her of those quote El Presidente Margarita Shakers at Chili's, which We're served in a cobalt blue plastic shaker, Um, but also (laughs) (laughs) that summer into fall dark transitioning sky being a teenager making bad decisions in my best friend's little cobalt blue Ford cough cough. (laughs) And just mm, oh. jamming, end quote. <laughs> cough, cough emoji.
0: Universal weed, cough. weed symbol. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> so many good images from this one. Like I'm imagining the little That's blue great. cobalt Ford driving off into the cobalt sunset. I guess.
2: <laughs> I feel like I got a whole picture of like a night. I like I smell like cigarette smoke. Like I I hear I feel it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> have you also lived this life, Issa? It's OK. You can admit it. I have not lived the
2: exact same life, but my partner's car is actually cobalt blue. Now mm. I'm, I'm remembering and we have already had a few road trips in it. Um, and it's just his second of the same exact blue Honda fit and he's very excited because it has very good gas mileage Um, and it's like a it's a road trip car so we've already we've driven a lot in it a very short amount of time in the, in the past couple of months so that's his I think he probably has a lot of like memories associated with the uh, the cobalt blue Honda fit
0: I'm like kind of obsessed with your partner now like I, I just like oh started thinking about yeah what happens when this the cyber future happens and like then it starts becoming beige slowly like the beigeification. Oh of like cyber uh (gasps) the (laughs) future i don't know you have
2: to take away the (laughs) one good thing about the cyberpunk world that we are apparently destined uh, for is like the neon signs they will take away the one good thing and make it into a sad beige cyberpunk uh universe that's really sad but i i can see why you're obsessed with my partner i'm I'm obsessed with him too he's (laughs) he's great ben is awesome um
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of like beige LED lights and I'm just like, oh, oh god, like, god no. fucking kill yeah. me now.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the fluorescent beige. Oh, oh, <laughs>
0: I'm a big believer, kind of like what Ezreal was saying, of of like finding beauty with whatever you're immersed in. It can Mm. be hard if you're living in a a very beige suburb, (laughs) but it does make me wonder, like, what we have missed growing up in these hyper Protestant spaces. Mm -hmm. So I used to live in China and I would go to like Hong Kong pretty frequently. I remember like just walking down those really cramped streets that are just super high and seeing all the, you know, neon signs and like them blurring in my mind into, almost like patterns and ornament of yeah. their own.
2: <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Maybe we don't get the cyberpunk future, like the bad cyberpunk future, but maybe we get some like neon mosques or something. Like maybe oh, like that yeah. becomes something in the future. That would be so good.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's like the beautiful thing about like religious architecture, which is generally my favorite type of architecture to study because there is so much beauty and theatricality in it and you're supposed to be like yes. subsumed in this beautiful otherworldly type of space and that is a big part of the reason why so many mosques in western central asia are blue is because it represents the sky eternity all of Mm -hmm. these things and you are kind of like swept up in it and like enraptured by it um you know anyone that's listening and has corrections for for me on this i would definitely like to hear that because i had a really tough time like trying to find more answers about why they were blue i feel like there's a good chance too i'm like thinking too hard about it it is just because like blue is beautiful and it's uh, it's kind of obvious like why it would be a spiritual color like why and it rare, this, too, like super and rare. it's a rare and it's a rare color and it's special and it before Islam also like blue was a very special color and it was uh, meant to kind of protect against the evil eye it was definitely a shamanistic had a lot of shamanistic value of protection and this was a really important thing for a lot of different cultures it's important in Judaism also or at least in, in ancient judaism you could use blue to protect like the ark and' i'm i'm still I'm also just like very at the beginnings of starting to learn about that but there's a reason i feel like it has like this really powerful effect on people but in, the, in very specific circumstances <laughs> um but i love i love there are certain mosques and certain temples that just have such an incredible like overwhelming b- beautiful essence and so one of my favorite things to study in the whole world is like wooden synagogue paintings from Eastern Europe that there's a couple of them left, but pretty much all of them were burned down. Oh no. Wood is, wood is so flammable, sadly. Um, there are a couple that are still there, but they're, they're pretty difficult to take care of. And one day they'll be gone because wood does not stick, or stick around forever. But what you imagine the village as being this really, really drab and sad place, but the insides of these synagogues were these like really beautiful, brightly colored ornaments absolutely splendid places. And a couple of them have been recreated, which is really awesome. Whoa. One in particular from, from Poland. And it's just like, it's magical. It's supposed to like kind of look magical. And one of the coolest parts of it is that when you go in there, it would be dark on the inside. There weren't actually like that many windows, but the center of it would be illuminated with light. Ooh. So you would see certain things would be glistening. It would be absolutely dazzling. And it, you'd be there in your favorite time of the week, which was Shabbos, where you get to read Torah and get to rest and have all your favorite treats and like do all your favorite things. But a lot of things have changed about synagogue design. But one thing that stayed is the light now in like contemporary synagogue design light is incredibly incredibly important so you want to create these like beautiful columns of light that illuminate certain parts and especially like illuminate the the torah art oh wow and it's a it's a very like central kind of part tenant of of ritual jewish architecture and it's that physical part was lost and there's a lot of other reasons there's cultural erasure in Jewish cultures but that is one thing that that stayed with us
0: that's incredible yeah. so definitely yeah. send us like if you have uh link or images so we can share it with our Ooh, listeners sure
2: sure of course of course yeah um yeah hey Alma posted a picture of a Bukarian synagogue from Uzbekistan I don't know where but it was incredible it's like this beautiful like starry sky blue oh my thing. gosh so I'll, f- I'll find that and send it to you. That sounds yeah. so gorgeous. Of course, of
0: course. Going into yeah. this, I was not a big fan of blue used in architecture and stuff. I was like not mm-hmm. super fond of, but I've been coming around to it. <laughs> I'm divorcing it from Facebook and like <laughs> all those associations <laughs> very slowly. Yeah. Well, thanks yeah. so much for joining us. Like yes. we, this oh is a really gosh. good talk.
2: Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It. Of course. I know I go on a lot of tangents really quickly. We love it. So love I'm love sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> This is also like a clarification that I realized the Eastern European synagogues didn't have that much blue on them on the inside, just like a little bit, but like not that much. But the Central European, Central Asian ones, there are some that are like very blue. Um, so I realized I should have, I should have, uh, I should have mentioned that when I was talking. But um, But anyway, yes, thank you so much. This is so much fun. Uh, y'all are awesome. I love your podcast so much. <laughs> thank you. And it's Do you mean so working fun.
0: in the Artslice uh, Laboratory? I already forgot the name. In, yes! In the lab, the laboratory is <laughs> oh,
2: color. Oh, yes. It, as
0: a research scientist in...
2: Uh... I love new <laughs> research color. Science is my passion. I imagine we're like kind of surrounded by these... Bubbling broths. We have lots of glassware and different colors of liquid that we mix together, of course, to make to make colors. uh Yeah, that's what we do here at the at the science lab Obviously, we're
0: looking at it. Come on, I mean, like, yeah, it's all around us. Yeah.
1: Yes, of course, the pantry won't <laughs> approve of all of this. This was a very successful visit, I think.
0: Yes, awesome. thank you. Uh, well, hopefully, you'll come back sometime. Yeah, love yes, to please.
2: Back. I would love to. I would love to. That would be great.
1: Question number three. When you reach for cobalt blue, why are you reaching for it? How does it show up in your artwork or design? Naturally following Issa's glittering, heavenly, immersive mosques and synagogues, Suyan didn't know she was reaching for cobalt blue, but fell under its deep spell. <laughs> Quote, roughly 10 years ago, I was experimenting with some color schemes for a school assignment. I took a black and orange tarot card, the devil. The devil. Using negative film filters, the card came out cobalt blue. Huh. Since then, I had associated this color with mystery and dark magic.
0: Ooh, I End like quote. that. I like that. I can see being totally shocked by that. It's always a good thing when something you've made just kind of takes you by surprise. Mm-hmm. And not to be too esoterically amusing about this, but part of the process of making is like wrangling with wavelengths and chemistry and history and mm-hmm. flow and time. And it's just this gift that we're able to participate in art at all. But when it takes you by surprise, it can be it can be especially magical.
1: The Art of Ryan says, quote, I'm currently using this color to try to capture that intense light that LED lights give off. And I don't know why, but when I reach for a real cobalt blue, it actually feels heavy. Mm. The color feels heavy and smooth on the palette knife and on the
0: brush. Like the heaviness of your stomach after you've eaten some crayons. Oh, my God. Just kind of weighing you down. No, I mean, I, I like. I agree. There is a weight to this particular pigment. I vividly remember how both heavy and airy, uh, not my cobalt blue, but my cobalt violet paint Ooh. tube was. I will never be, I <laughs> able, <say. laughs> be able to afford that paint tube again, Ka-ching. but I, I yearn to hold that fantastic color in my hand. Williamsburg, if you, you know, we do have a PO box. Ahoy okay. hoy. Yeah, ahoy hoy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> There's also something to that, though. Knowing that it's made from all these metals, mm-hmm. it does have a sort of texture and viscosity that lends itself to depict LED lights mm-hmm. particularly well, because it kind of has a natural shimmer to it. Just a little bit. A
1: little bit. Patron at Jake the Human. Thank you, Human Jake. Human Jake. <laughs> uh, he says he uses cobalt blue in a variety of ways, but finds that when he uses it in larger quantities, it, quote, acts as a background character for whatever other colors are taking center mm. stage setting a relaxing, serene
0: tone, end quote. Collaborative color buds, I love that. I really like the idea of painting like a stage. Really? Like thinking about it as kind of like a set that you're designing. (laughs) As you're working, like you got to work on the background first and then the foreground and then maybe you want to weave something into the middle. You are essentially creating a space. Yeah. Like a god. I don't know why I said (laughs) that.
1: I'm so sorry, please cut that. Like a god
0: at cat facades finds that cobalt blue shows up in quote reflections exterior spaces a direct way to link the sky bodies of water glass and puddles love that and many of you like at ezreal's art also use it for depth tinting and shading for quote folds and fabric blue shadows end quote and then when it comes to illustration at dogwood finch invokes that digital depth digital <laughs> quote if i am using cobalt blue it's most likely an underwater scene i'm Envisioning depths of the ocean with bits of light beaming down through it, but not so deep that it's black, not so light that it's turquoisey. End quote. Turquoise du Boise. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Tur- turquoisey Du Wow. Turquoisey Du I can't even say that.
1: I find that it's really interesting, listeners, to see y'all gravitate towards using cobalt in such a way like these ancient artists and artisans were using thousands of years ago. Mm. Like most of you have this like reverence for it.
0: It's a little bit of reverence. A little rev. A little, little rev. Little rev. <laughs> Well rev you ref. What about you, Stephanie? Do you find yourself reaching for cobalt blue? And I, why? And when and how, if you do?
1: <laughs> I don't. Okay. Um, I don't find that I ever reach for this blue. It's not the vibe. I'm going for the vibe yeah. Um and it's <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that I won't ever. Like, maybe I just haven't found the
0: right cobalt blue. You got to wait for the right cobalt blue to find you, Stephanie.
1: Right. I'm not looking. I'm, I'm open to that experience. I am. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I guess, consciously, since I'm not really using paint anymore. I, I'm okay. really relying on found materials. So okay. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe right. one day. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just me that kind of feels this way. Uh. Even the Viridian Killer, who adores this color. Viridian
0: Killer slash Cobalt Adorer. Oh. Okay, they are two sides. <laughs> sides of the same coin.
1: VKCA. There we go. She also has a hard time finding a time and place for it. Mm. Quote, even though I love this color, nine times out of ten, for me, somehow it's just not the right pigment for the job. That means it goes to ultramarine, aka default blue, (laughs) the one blue pigment we all started making art with, or phthalo blue, which is the warmest of all the blue pigments. Mm. That works better in painting. Then, I get disappointed because I didn't get to use that cobalt even though it is my favorite pigment of them all I rarely get to use it end quote
0: that's sad use the blue VK use that's all I gotta say is use the, the blue. blue go through a cobalt blue period do whatever you need to do trick yourself if you must for the blue yeah we demand it you trick yourself. and this is for your own good alright <laughs> Got a little worked up there
1: Use the blue Use the blue Use the blue And finally I thought you might relate to At Finley Meadows response Russell Okay Quote Whenever I use cobalt blue Notice this is past 10
0: (laughs) used cobalt blue.
1: Yes. It was usually when I really wanted to make the blue in a piece super obnoxious. Okay. I always hate using it straight out of the tube. I can only use it as glazes now when I need to bring a blue hue back to a subject.
0: Okay, so some of Finlay's responses. Mm-hmm. I was like, this this person is my spirit animal. But Stephanie <laughs> was like, you can't say that, Russell. That's weird. And then, But I'm like, that's stifling my creativity, Stephanie, so I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. So Finlay, some of your responses, they feel like a, a spirit animal to me. I hope you don't take that the wrong way <laughs> whatever wrong way you could interpret that as they don't can, do it don't do it <laughs> But watch me take a hard blue turn now. Okay. I, I do find myself reaching for cobalt more than the other blues. I think when I use cobalt, there is a part of me that instinctually uses it in a very uh, non Mr. Blue Sky kind of way. I like to make it mingle with a dusty, dry landscape. And the pearlescent car paint version of this color is so obnoxious in like the dreamiest kind of way. It is. Like I hate it, but I love it, but I hate it, but I love it, but I hate it, but I hate it. But I hate love it i also like it in, <laughs> in in a wax medium where it starts to look kind of grimy The opposite of, yeah 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 like, like um like an un like a sun bleached vintage fiberglass figurine
1: oh oh like Jasper john's uh encaustic flags
0: a little bit yeah 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 yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cobalt does a lot that other blues i think just can't do or they do different things it just does different things it does question
1: number four does cobalt blue remind you of any artworks, packaging, pop cultural items?
0: Houses, architectures, parks.
1: Yes. Yes. I think we <laughs> need to expand the range of this question because many of you mentioned the striking cobalt blue of Frida Kahlo's aptly named La Casa Azul, Azul. Uh, which is now the Frida Kahlo Museum, which the museum confirms it is indeed cobalt blue paint.
0: More, more like uh, th- thick balt stuff. <laughs> Why? It's, it's a... <laughs> It's a very thick color. It's very, okay. it's very dense.
1: All right. And at Cat Facades, brought up the tiles at Parkwell by architect Anthony Gaudi, mm. which, yes, I love this answer. Uh, Antoni Gaudí was a Catalonian architect from the 19th century, which is a region in northeastern Spain. This park is full of like surreal, whimsical, otherworldly creatures, motifs, structures, like all made up of like ceramic and glass mosaics, and it gives all the color and the textures. Like imagine a dragon fountain, right, or a blue and white checker tiled tower. <laughs> it's amazing. Like yeah. it's amazing that this exists and that it was made in the
0: 19th century. Like queque. that wavering like tower. Was- but the blue and white porcelain checkers is amazing. I've only seen it in pictures. But I want to go. I want to go.
1: Let's go. Yeah. yeah. Go I, go
0: I want to go to Spain so bad. Yeah. Get all fat on tapas. <laughs> <laughs> but unbutton my shirt.
1: Um, but speaking of blue Spaniards... <laughs> Many of you mentioned Pablo P's Blue Period (laughs) and Cobalt reminds me of these Murano glass sculptures by Egidio Constantini. They were made after Picasso figures, not from the Blue Period, um, but they were in cobalt blue glass. And they were on display at the Peggy Guggenheim collection in a window facing the canal. So you get the light from the sky shining on it and you get the reflection from the water in the canal. And it's just like ah, it's just
0: beautiful, gorgeous, it's Venice. What? I'm sorry. What? There is a, a comically large penis on a Where? winged <laughs> oh, no! bear creature. No. Okay. Oh, no. I didn't notice what are those that. Ha- what are those half horse, half... A centaur? Centaur. Yeah, but do centaurs but it has have antennas, wings?
1: and it has antennas. <laughs> <laughs> is that a Picasso piece? He's, he's leading with his...
0: Uh, he's got to have a lot. He's got to have really good blood flow because it is the size of his torso.
1: Okay, moving on. Before I noticed any of these things, immediately after noticing that, the fact that they were blue and like, oh... Then I noticed a glaring layer of dust Mm. on all 26 of them. All of them. Disgusting. The child in me who every Saturday had to wake up to Mambo Music and having to clean the house (laughs) was horrified. You're charging an arm and a leg to get into this place. The least you can expect is a clean fucking sculpture.
0: Hey, Stephanie, is that a bottle of Fabulosa, or are you just happy to see me?
1: Oh, my God. No. Because it's, it's blue. Huh? Because it's blue. I, I got it. Okay. Very clear image. I will never look at Pablo Rosa so... <laughs> the same way again. Thank you.
0: I always associate blue, like the blue we actually see out in the world, not the lush cobalt straight out of the tube, blue, with San Francisco. Okay. So when I lived in San Francisco, I had this shitbag, deadhead landlord. Okay. <laughs> just just so much suppressed rage behind that jolly Santa Claus facade. <laughs> <laughs> So I I wanted to spend as little time there as humanly possible. And so I did a lot of exploring. Mm -hmm. And on my walks, I would run into these little Richard Diebenkorn moments.
1: Richard Diebenkorn grew up looking at artists like Van Gogh, Monet, Matisse. And these were all artists who used a lot of blue hues in their work, like Monet's lily ponds. You can just get lost in how the color builds up through the layers, which Diebenkorn was also doing. But here, they're muddier, they're dirtier, and they veer towards gray, Mm. which makes those rare moments of clean, crisp paint really leap out at you.
0: Well, and like those artists, he was working uh, with time and space too, like collapsing spaces, Mm -hmm. flattened spaces, weird kind of jaunty spaces like Van Gogh. Mm -hmm. He wasn't working from life directly, but in his own abstract way, he was, kind of. Like, imagine you're staring across the bay, looking at this concrete jungle just be enveloped in this heavy cobalt gray fog, but you're standing in the sunshine. So it's the stage right in front of you.
1: Oh, that's beautiful it is speaking of artists from the 60s at arlo of arts is not from the 60s or at least i don't <laughs> think so um but he is a big fan of peter marx uh both Marks? of whom we were they say Marks
0: <laughs> das psychedelical
1: but he is a big fan of peter max who we were both unaware of specifically his work face and sunset circa 1972 which has this bold and beautiful matte blue background mm.
0: We actually spent a lot of time looking at his psychedelic illustrations from the 60s to 80s.
1: First of all, a lot of cobalt blue sightings. Yes. And we loved how he uses a lot of flat color. Almost like he's using MS Paint fill buckets to color within the lines. And then there will be like a moment of almost like an Ukiyo-e print style gradients.
0: Yeah, and the lines are very art nouveau. Yes. So there's a lot going on in there. Yes,
1: but also uh, a lot of painterliness. Yeah.
0: It keeps your eye moving around the composition. That balance of simple and complex can be really hard to nail yes, down. Yes, his work also kind of reminds me of Peter Chung, whose work looks like if Egan Sheila made anime, what? or even or even Tanadori Yoko. I hope I said that right. But m- much more chill. Like you, like you picked out the uh, like you paid for the the good mushrooms. <laughs>
1: Okay. Uh, So quick aside, in the late 70s, he was actually commissioned by the U.S. government to create a bilingual border crossing welcome sign for San Isidro, California, Port of Entry. Mm. The illustration was filled with beautiful flowers and rainbows and a sunset. But then, dirty old Uncle Sam... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Had a change of heart because he thought it would promote drug usage. Of
0: course, of course. The only psychedelics you'll be taking in America is the morphine if your doctor administers to to reset your broken leg. Oh, fuck. Yeah, which oh, does God. cost a year's salary. And Ugh. you will pay it back in installments over the next 25 years. Yeah, true story. Yeah.
1: Eventually, they were installed uh, in both Mexican and Canadian entry points, but they were not well cared for and often they were shot at. Yeah,
0: by people who were frustrated about their installment plans. <laughs>
1: Okay. Cobalt also spanned a range of pop cultural references. Everything from the Blue mini Cerulean Blue in The X-Files, the Blue Power Ranger, Sophie from Howl's Moving Castle to Andres from Los Spookies. Los
0: Espookies.
1: It is his hair. It is his personality. It is his <laughs> wallpaper. It is his inner demon. And it also shows up in a brainwashing scene as well. Spoilers, anyway.
0: spoilers. But yeah, I oh, want to watch this. Yeah. I want to watch this. <laughs>
1: We also have Awaken My Love by Childish Gambino.
0: With an amazing album cover. I love it. It's by mm-hmm. Ibra Okay. There are actually also lots of songs that you all mentioned with blue as the theme, most of which I've never heard. But now I love the uh, jaunty folk tune Blue Morning by COB. That's not P.O.D. as in the Christian New middle Rock <laughs> rap band Payable on Death, who was no. my first concert I ever saw in a stinky church basement when I was like 12, I think. Uh, but COB as in Clive's original band. Okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, at Theremin Poisoning mentioned Jack White's turn to blue. Okay. His blue period. Right. He has blue hair now, blue sets, blue smoke at his concerts. And actually, I'm getting I'm getting a little vib from like Maholand Drive. Right, kind right. of those sets.
0: I was a little worried no one would bring this up, but patron Dr. P is a doctor after our own hearts. Quote, it dawned on me that the Maholand Drive blue is probably one of the raddest examples of blue in popular culture. It is both dangerous but calm. Is it fire? Is it cool? is it hell is it aliens see aliens again the club (laughs) silencio oh my god the club (laughs) silencio scene in Mulholland Drive it's so good I don't want to spoil it but it features this dazzling cobalt blue in what turns out to be the penultimate moment but it's also like scattered throughout the whole film
1: if you have not watched Mulholland Drive listeners and you are also not prone to heart attacks from a jump scare this is very important yes it's very important go watch it immediately following this episode where can you find it, I don't know, but I believe in you. <laughs> a, wink,
0: a, wink, a wink.
1: Bonus round. A semi-sentient orb of pure cobalt blue will carry out your bidding for one day only. Solo un dia. What would you have the orb do? Bilbert says, bring a moment of calm appreciation for life to everyone. How
0: can you be mad when you're staring at a, at a hovering uh, semi-sentient blue orb?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Just stare
0: at it. Look at it. It's beautiful.
1: I love it. I Thank just
0: imagine Burt. like the, the, the blue orb just kind of lightly rippling. That is beautiful.
1: The artsy B says, see beyond the sky connect with those i love who are no longer on this earth
0: so a conduit between time and space mm-hmm. like that too like mm-hmm. that too
1: and life and death
0: yeah well time and space that's time and space. is it because you could be in a different time and space you could be alive
1: oh shit you're right yeah
0: oh blew your mind
1: yeah i can't read bl- my head.
0: i blew your mind <laughs> oh!
1: God. At extraordinary terrestrial said, I would ride around on it and it would keep my time and appointments for me.
0: Okay, yeah. Hmm. I would like to see uh this person bouncing around on a giant blue orb. Excuse me, I'm late. I have an appointment.
1: I imagine a saddle of some sort. Yeah.
0: A blue yeah, why not? Why can't it form a saddle? <laughs> just hovering in the in, in the doctor's office, filling out paperwork. Keeping you company on a big Listen, blue orb. It
1: gets stressful out there, okay? Everyone's like just kinda buddy. kinda
0: like shoved it to the corner, like <laughs> staying away from the blue orb.
1: That is so. Is cinematic. this what she's here for? She's got a blue problem. <laughs> Saint Andrew says he would want it to glow ominously outside my window all night, <laughs> bathing me in its hopefully not radioactive light. <laughs> I find it a very calming color. I'd love to sleep to it. Love that. Same. Love that a
0: little blue orb singing, singing. Uh, Saint Saint Andrew some songs at night. It's cute. I like it. <laughs> okay, so Jay <Jake laughs> says if the orb
1: was super big, I'd have it float through all of the tallest buildings around town so that they instantly get painted cobalt blue. Hmm. I, of course, would stand inside of one of those buildings and look out of a window while this happens so I know what it's like to be enveloped by cobalt
0: blue. Or you could just enter cobalt blue's orb. You don't even have to sit inside of a building. Jake, are you scared? Human Jake, are you scared to be absorbed by the orb?
1: (laughs) Are you scared of the orb? Are you
0: scared to be one with the orb? <laughs>
1: Are you scared of its touch?
0: Okay. <laughs> well, you don't need to make it about that.
1: You said be one with the orb. So I guess it doesn't have
0: d- to. To breathe guess- the orb in, to ingest the cobalt orb into your lungs and breathe its cobalt orbness.
1: <laughs> okay, I guess it doesn't have to be that way. Um, yeah. Okay. At Finley Meadows says she would wanted to eat the people that think cobalt blue is their favorite color Watch because it isn't. And get me sushi. Okay. <laughs>
0: It's a good thing that Veridian Killer has remained anonymous. Use the blue, VK. Use That's all I got to say. Is use the, the blue. blue.
1: Well, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this fifth installment of this little color mini series within a podcast series. Once again, a huge thank you to Isabella Sigalovich for joining us.
0: Thank you, Isa.
1: At Interstellar Isabella on TikTok and Instagram. She has fantastic articles on Hyperallergic and honestly, just generally, just like in general, watch and read her shit. It's good <laughs> stuff. You'll learn something. All colors are our specific associative ideas.
0: That was the voice of patron Ben C, who was under the weather, but still classed up this silly little art history podcast by lending <laughs> us his voice. If you'd like to also, class up this podcast for Art Slice LLC branded purposes, or watch our full convo with Isa. Head on over to Patreon.com/slash Art Slice Pod. There's also bonus episodes. There's a lot of other stuff. Generally, you will be a part of a very small, but very excellent group of patrons that we love very much for helping us make this. And thanks to everyone for sharing your thoughts on Cobalt Blue. Um, you know, we loved reading all of your responses. There obviously were answers we just couldn't fit in. But for any uh, example that was image related, we will be posting that on Instagram in the coming weeks. Which brings us to the next winner's of the Art Slice Museum Division of Color Theory and Color Studies raffles. Congratulations to St. Andrew, Ben C., and Ezrael for winning the color raffle submission of. Gold. That's gold, baby.
1: It's gold. <laughs> The survey will be up at artslicepod.com. If we've taken it down, you've missed your window.
0: Thanks again to Rose of Loyalty Freak Music for letting us use the song I Need to Do It to Be Alive by Soft and Furious from the album Diving in the Self, which is one of hundreds of incredible songs they've made. You can pick it up for Name Your Own Price on Bandcamp. It's a great album all around. Or you can just go ahead and support Rose's mission to create queer, free music against capitalism and fascism on Patreon. We really appreciate their work because, honestly, like art slice would not be the same without having music in it. Definitely not. So we will see you next time, listeners. Still don't we
2: have a sign off. Yep. U H H H H. I'm Blue Abu D D. Da B A D D Da Da. I'm Blue. Stephanie is waving goodbye. Bye. From her blue house with a blue
1: window. Blue bye.